Thanks for joining us on Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Brandon Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as The Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, Michael Schatzberg, also known as The Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we're the personalities behind Brandon Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let our listeners know that at the end of the show, we will have a special invitation to share with our audience. We think you're going to really like it. Anyway, today, we're very excited about our episode. While we've been primarily focused on CEOs of tech companies that are making things happen and driving value for the hospitality industry, and most recently in relation to the COVID crisis, today we're shifting gears and moving to one of my favorite topics, which are the financial and capital markets. Remember, I am your finance guy. Our guest today is our friend and the hospitality finance expert, Mr. Brian Anton. He's the managing director at Citibank who drives the restaurant practice at the firm. Today, he'll be sharing his inside baseball into the financial future of restaurants and much more. Hey, thanks for that, Jimmy. You know, Brian, it's hard to believe that we met you about, it's over a year ago now. You guys hosted one of my favorite events. I know Jimmy and I thought it was one of the best events ever at Italy, right around the corner from our office on 23rd Street. I look forward to hopefully having an event like that again that we can join you at. But until then, we've got you on our podcast, and that's fantastic. Can you give us a little background about yourself and your role at Citibank? Sure. Thanks, guys. And thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you guys in person sometime if I'm ever allowed out of the house. Yep, us too. So, you know, real quick, I actually went to college up in Maine, up at Bates College for all those small liberal arts fans played soccer up there. So I'm one of the few folks in the U.S. who's a big, you know, European football and or soccer fan used to work for the former women's national team coach, Tony DeChico. So a big women's soccer fan. How's that for something different? Got my MBA at WashU in St. Louis. And then made my way to New York. I worked at Credit Suisse for a number of years and then obviously at Citigroup for the last five or so. Feels like yesterday and obviously spending a ton of time globally in and around restaurants and the ecosystem, which I'm thrilled to chat with you guys you know, about today. I'd say at Citi, you know, real quick, as you guys know, I think we take kind of a unique approach, I think. And so you know, it's everything on one end from the large, globally scaled you know, restaurant and retail concepts and hospitality that we all you know, may eat at and go to, whether it's, you know, a McDonald's and a Wendy's or some of the, you know, Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut, et cetera, all the way to a lot of the emerging, you know, high growth businesses and and concepts that that we've talked about a lot and are emerging as, you know, many of the fan favorites of folks, whether it's a, a Tender Greens or a Cava or a Snooze, and then all the way to, you know, some of the kind of globally skilled platforms of franchisees of some of the names that I mentioned and some brands that folks may be you know, a little bit less familiar with globally. And so really looking forward to chatting with you guys. Thank you, Brian. To kick things off, I think when most people think about the hospitality industry, the first thing that comes to mind is the food, or in the case of Schatz and maybe myself as well, I admit, the bar menu. But I really feel that in order to open up new restaurants or in order for the restaurants restaurants and the hospitality industry at large to grow and scale and succeed, they need the capital to do so. So the importance of, the, of finance to this industry, I don't think can be understated. Can you share you know, with our audience, what stage do you and your business get involved with clients and specifically the, you know, the restaurant groups that you work with at Citibank? Yes. Yeah, so 
the true answer to that is there is no platform concept business that we won't get involved with too early, right? And the reason for that is we're huge believers, you know, here at City, that small companies become big companies, right? Emerging disruptive concepts become, you know, the leaders of the next, you know, bunch of years. And so that takes a lot of time, obviously, to sort through and to figure out who kind of the winners and losers are going to be. And so as we started to talk about, and as you guys, I think, mentioned, we host an annual restaurant forum for really emerging concepts every year. And so, you know, think about concepts that are as small as, you know, five, 10 units, right, where we want to invest not only, you know, human capital, but financial capital, right, i.e. lend them money. We've done that with with Tender Greens. We've done that with Snooze. You know, we've done that with a number of other concepts all the way to, you know, large scaled global businesses, as I mentioned, you know, before a Starbucks, a Yum, a McDonald's, right? You, you name it, right? Many of the businesses that we could all, you know, talk about and debate who likes what. So the answer is we want to be with the winners. We want to help incubate and associate and be around, you know, many of those folks. And that could mean lending money to start incubating. That could mean strategic advisory and M&A. That could mean cash management domestically or international, right? That could be working capital management, or it could just be a simple introduction for folks, you know, like yourselves, like someone could be, you know, trying to help find, you know, a CEO, a CFO, et cetera. So really our approach and perspective is, you know, anywhere in the ecosystem that we can be helpful is really what we want to do. Hey, thanks for that, Brian. So the big question, um, as restaurant operators, the number one question we're getting from all our friends and everyone I speak to are restaurants going to reopen and survive after four months of closure? I know different states have opened, you know, Florida, Texas, California, they opened indoor dining, then they closed. New York, we've had um, no indoor dining at all here in the city, just cafes. So from your perspective and speaking to your clients around the country and around the globe, what do you expect the future is for fine dining, casual dining, fast casual, QSR. Who's going to survive this? Is everyone going to be okay? Is there going to be winners? Is there going to be a new direction? Can you give us a little of your kind of, what are your insights in speaking to? I'm seeing restaurant operators that never did delivery before, like Union Square Hospitality and Danny Meyer's restaurant, Union Square Cafe is right below our office, actually. And, um, they now opened up for, uh, you can buy wine and pick up some food and stuff like that there. That's never anything he's ever done before. What do you think is the future? Yeah, so really difficult and challenging time. And it's a big one, and I threw a lot at you. So. No, no, sure. How, many, how much time do you have? You spend the next <laughs> half a day talking about it. Yeah. You know, Brian's going to attack question two, subset F, right. uh, particle, right. triple I of your, of your question, chats. What, yeah, what do you think? Let's talk about it at midnight tonight. No, so- <laughs> yeah. Look, it's complicated, right? As you suggest, and everyone's kind of working through it, you know, every day and the set of facts shift, right? And change in the broader, you know, landscape, whether it's obviously restaurants, suppliers, technology, politically, right? As you guys know, you know, what I would say is the larger scaled global kind of QSR quick service folks that are, you know, think two thirds off premise, digital delivery, heavy consumption outside of the dining rooms. You know, not surprisingly, those folks, generally speaking, as many of your listeners may appreciate, you know, have done, you know, less bad and or are getting to the point now where they're actually thriving, right? Just given people need to eat, 
And people forget <laughs> fundamentally that, you know, food, shelter, and clothing, it, it has to be done, right, in some form for different folks, right? And so people have to eat. Right. And so that's never going away. And so one of the reasons why those large-scaled folks, you know, many of them are doing well beyond real estate and locations is these are, you know, tough times for a lot of people, you know, around the country and around the world. And value and convenience has never been more important. And so said more simply, you know, income inequality and, and people are losing jobs. Unfortunately, we could debate if they're temporary, if they're permanent. But the reality is that people want affordable food to feed their families and the food should be craveable generally. And so we'll talk, you know, probably at some point you'll ask about health and wellness or healthier, better for you, which we can chat about. But again, the larger scaled folks, you know, are going to continue to do well. I think, and candidly may even take some share, much to the chagrin of some, you know, emerging, disruptive, healthier, more transparent concepts. I'd say the casual dining landscape, as you guys know, it's a tricky one. And the reason I say it's tricky is because fundamentally, I believe people still want experiences and experiences actually matter more than ever. And so it's sort of crazy to say, because we're all sitting at home in our underwear, or at least I know you guys are, but at some point you're going to get out of the house and you're going to actually crave the very same experience even more than we had before. And so while right now experiences aren't in vogue for safety reasons, I would actually argue and submit that they're more important than ever. The question is, what is the form factor and the economics, right, of those experiences? And I'd say, you know, to your last piece on higher end premium, you know, obviously some of that goes to demographics and, and obviously disposable income, right? But I do believe that the world will probably continue to bifurcate on the continuum of, as I said, you know, craveable, value-oriented, quick-serve food. And then on the other end, you know, really engaging, delicious, higher-end food that, as you mentioned, right now is going through a transition. But I do believe that latent demand is actually going to come back very strong. You know, when will that happen? I don't know, right? I wouldn't be doing my job now if I knew that exactly. I think the middle, right, will continue to be squeezed. And we've talked about this a little bit. And so there are concepts, obviously, whereby, you know, they haven't been able to invest in technology, in supply chain, in consumer-facing loyalty programs, in digital. And those are the businesses with, I'll call it, food that has just sort of never been innovated and perhaps real estate that hasn't been rationalized or optimized. Those are the concepts that are probably you know, struggling the most, as we know, and will continue to struggle. Ryan, uh, thanks for that. I appreciate the, while the question had a little bit to do with some of the closings that we're seeing, appreciate some of your thoughts on the trends that you see coming down the pike. You mentioned in response to Shatsi's question, you mentioned a couple times, you know, real estate. And I think, you know, when it comes to the industry, a lot of people fail to understand just how critical the real estate component is to the overall business and therefore how much risk and return are actually tied to the properties or the leases. You know, in your work at City, and I know you guys have prowess across numerous verticals and certainly in the commercial real estate space, but can you comment maybe on how the hospitality industry and the real estate industry are working and how they're doing together? What type of appetite, pun was not intended, uh, do property owners, for example, have to provide restaurant operators with flex on terms or more attractive terms? And as the overall, as the cost of capital for the industry changed in any material way, you know, since the COVID crisis has come upon us? Yeah. So I think the way to think about it, 
is the proprietors, founders, CEOs, right, entrepreneurs of many of these emerging concepts in particular, but also the larger, you know, more scaled ones. The approach that has been most successful with a lot of the real estate folks has been a partnership one, not surprisingly, right? You have to think through, obviously, repeat play and where and how kind of people's relationships and want them to be over time. And so said more directly and said more simply, being more proactive, you know, with landlords and working together to explain very transparently the situation that, you know, lots of these CEOs and CFOs and companies and owners and, and stakeholders are in, and then working together to try to chart a longer term path have been kind of, you know, the, the more successful routes. There are those folks who, you know, a little bit more, you know, scorched earth, if you will, with the landlords, while there may be some short term benefits to that. You know, I personally fear and folks could disagree, but that, you know, in the long run may not be the best approach because obviously people need to find ways to work together. I would say one piece that I think about that I'm hearing from lots of folks is you can push landlords and equivalently landlords with restaurants and owners, I don't want to say only so far, but to a point. And so as an example, if I owned a concept and I'm negotiating with a landlord, and continue to negotiate, there will be a breaking point and a tipping point where the landlord says, you know what, Brian, I really appreciate you know what you're trying to do. And we know you're in a tough spot, but I have a healthcare clinic. I have another opportunity. And you know, unfortunately, we're just going to have to let you lease go. And they're going to sort of shift out of, of what I do. So we're not quite there yet for lots of folks. But I will tell you from talking to real estate folks and owners, you know, there will be a point where they say, you know what, it's too much. And so again, just something to think about for some of your folks and, and for you guys. So Shati, take it easy on our landlords, man. Brian's saying we push too hard. We can find ourselves with eviction notices. Note to self. <laughs> yep. Thank you for that, Brian. I want to shift gears a little bit and just talk about some positive things I've seen over the last couple of months during this crisis. It's amazing to me that I see the restaurant operators are really, truly entrepreneurs. And I've seen such amazing innovation. There are some operators that have chosen to just kind of say, hey, this is just horrible and what are we going to do? And, and then there's the operators, the entrepreneurs that are just real innovators. And we've seen some really amazing things out there. Restaurant operators that started selling groceries. They're selling, uh, you know, condiments. They're selling Tabasco sauce and ketchup and they're selling lettuce and saving a trip to the grocery store. Restaurant operators are selling wine, beer, liquor, bottles of wine, bottles of liquor through different, you know, changes in ABC and SLA rules and laws. It's really exciting to see that kind of stuff, that there are really great entrepreneurs. Do you think that this kind of innovation that you've seen with restaurants doing this, uh, I'll use your uh, phrase, the grocer ant, kind of thing where restaurants are doing delivery, but now they're selling groceries. Is this the kind of thing that you see as a new revenue stream, a new model that restaurants will continue to sell groceries and liquor, wine, beer, and made meals, and even meals that you can cook at home? Yeah, I actually do. The question is how much and a part of the mix and how profitable, obviously, are all these pieces. Mm -hmm. But you know, remember, it's really, really competitive these days, as you guys know. And so doing anything you can to get the right traffic, whether that's physical into a unit, right, which is not, you know, as prevalent these days, or, you know, more relevant, you know, obviously through delivery and or even online with people interacting with your brand and ecosystem, whether it's on Zoom or virtual, you know, obviously engagements, experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's something I think is going to continue. And so when you think about groceries, typically a little bit lower margin, right, than the service orientation of a delicious meal, 
think about that. I don't want to say as a loss leader, but even if you can, you know, turn a little bit of a profit. But, you know, again, we saw Tender Greens do a really nice job with this. Panera has invested here, obviously, recently. Eataly, which is, you know, one of my, you know, obviously favorite concepts and terrific folks over there is obviously a very Epicurean, you know, mix of food and groceries with all the terrific trappings of some couple of great restaurants. And so if people can order and get some of their basic needs while also getting a couple of meals, right? And then conversely, you know, the family says, oh, we're hungry tonight, we're going to order. Why not also get some milk and eggs, if you will? Mm-hmm. You know, that that probably will continue. You know, will it revolutionize some of these concepts? You know, unclear, but could it become, I'm making it up, 10 to 20%, 15 to 25%, 5 to 15? Yeah, I, th- I think... I think it can. And and remember, what really helps elevate and build a lot of these emerging disruptive concepts is people just interacting in the ecosystem of the restaurant, right? And it's really, you know, brands value mean more than ever right now. And so if there's an ability to have that consumable nature, you know, instead of engaging with a brand or going out once a week or once every two weeks, if you're now getting two or three deliveries, Right now you're talking about, you know, some really interesting ways to engage with a concept. And the other piece I'll say before you guys jump in, your personal favorite, alcohol, that's something that I do think will continue also. And again, some of these places may not become your neighborhood liquor store, but having the ability to get a bottle of wine along with dinner and or, you know, an afternoon cheese, wine, fruit, snack, et cetera, or for some folks who want to uh, consume some Bloody Marys in the morning, there are concepts out there. And that's some really cool stuff. And that's only a function of the laws that have been relaxed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we expect to see continued uh, disagreements, uh, particularly as restaurants are now enjoying the relaxed regulations to sell alcohol, for example. We're seeing uh, how much we as restaurant owners enjoy that, and we're seeing how much our liquor store friends are not liking it. And the idea that we can continue to do it beyond the crisis is certainly going to be a good debate among the industry, which right now has the antiquated and archaic three-tier system. But I'll say I certainly have enjoyed going to pick up food and being able to grab a bottle of wine or cocktails to go as I take my meal. But I agree. That'll be an interesting one. You know, on another topic, um, you are a, I would say, you've traditionally been a million-mile traveler. Your business is truly global. You subscribe to Mr. Thomas Friedman's The World is Flat. Good ideas move around the globe in rapid fire. Are there any hospitality lessons you've learned from your travels, your contacts? Are there any best practices or initiatives that you're seeing in other parts of the world that we should expect to see on our shores anytime soon? Yeah, great question. And, and it has been a little bit odd to be at home. My family didn't recognize me for a couple of, because really only <laughs> recently, candidly, that uh, someone said, oh, I think dad's here for, for the last couple of months. Brian's got platinum status on like half a dozen airlines. It's amazing. Yeah, he's way beyond platinum, Jeff. <laughs> so, you know, I'd say a couple of things. We've touched on a little bit, but, you know, one, this idea of the intersection of technology. And, you know, I know that's not interesting broadly, but to be specific and give you an example, Australia is obviously a terrific place and Sydney has become a really cool, you know, foodie culture. There's a concept, you guys may have been down there, some folks called Rockpool. You know, it's a really high-end steakhouse. They're very focused on what they call the perfect check. So using cameras in the units to actually heat map and track where their servers are going throughout, you know, a three, four-hour meal. So when we go for a meal, guys, you know, right, the idea that they're literally bringing water and then the meal and then appetizers and then what would you like for wine and then – alcohol and then an after dinner drink and heat mapping 
literally their servers and then post the meal sitting with everybody saying, hey, you forgot to go to Brian because he likes an after dinner drink. We saw that you went to the table next door for water, right? And obviously an after dinner drink carries a lot more margin than, you know, a free glass of water, right? And so they literally have the ability to do that. You know, oh, you went to Jimmy for one side, but you know that he loves French fries so much. Why didn't you go back to him? And so that's something they've been doing and using. And obviously that technology exists, but I'd say, you know, overseas, just to generalize a little bit, a little bit more aggressive around some of the customization and personalization, you know, of artificial intelligence and technology and integrating that into the experience here. You guys asked about what is the future of kind of high-end dining. And so I do think I'll call it technology in the back end to enable some really cool stuff, you know, going on in the dining room and for the concept. I think that's something to look out for. And then I think we were sort of joking around, I think before we kicked off the idea, you know, of sort of drinking outside in this outdoor dining craze, you know, there are concepts like a bar taco and all sorts of places that obviously enjoyed and everybody loves to eat outside on a nice day. When you're in Europe, particularly London, obviously folks drinking pints in the street, that's been, you know, a long tradition, you know, around European football and soccer and all sorts of other pieces. And we touched on it, you know, it's going on in Manhattan, it's going on around the US and around the world. But I do think this idea of not only obviously consuming beverages, but also food, you know, outside is probably here to stay from a real estate perspective. You see a lot of that obviously around the globe. We could keep going on forever, but those are two things that come to mind. Thanks for that, Brian. That's really interesting. And I think there is a lot of innovation out there. And uh, we've always believed that brand is strategic. Our thesis has always been hospitality needs to embrace technology to really thrive. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that now. And I think we're seeing operators who've embraced technology, like you said, are doing a little less worse and maybe even starting to do better. So that's really exciting to see. We've got a little section here we call the crystal ball moment. Put you on the spot real quick. Sure. Where do you see restaurants and dining in two years from now in relationship to finance and technology? So I think as most things in life, most stuff ends up being a little more incremental than folks think, right? So I know that everybody today, you know, is spending an extraordinary amount of time consuming food and beverages and hospitality, call it off-premise, right? Whether that's in your home or outside or with friends or whatever people are doing, I do think people are going to get back to dining. And the reason I say that is, and we touched on this earlier, I actually think experiences are going to be even more valuable two years from now than they are today. And the reason is just quite simply people's pent-up demand. People's behavior will shift. I will probably you know, travel a bit less you guys may shift some of your behaviors. I'm still going to get on the plane. You're still going to do you know, a lot of what you did before on the margin. There's always winners and losers, right? Mm-hmm. But from a restaurant perspective, I think people are going to want to be with their friends mm-hmm. and eating you know, terrific food and sharing experiences even more than they did before. And so the question is, you know, what is the form factor of that? <clears throat> What's the price point? Where's the real estate? And how do people engage you know, with these restaurants? So I think the short answer is you know, a lot of sort of the same brands of businesses as before. I think a number of them, unfortunately, are going to go away and have started to go away just given capital structures and more exogenous, you know, factors of of balance sheets and and can't survive. But I do think, you know, they're going to be there forever. I will also say, you know, at the same token, as we mentioned, value and convenience and technology is going to be even more important. And so Mm -hmm. I think the one critical difference in a high-end dining experience, for example, is those friction points 
whether it's around health or some, you know, obviously speed, those will shift. So what do I mean by that? You know, probably, you know, very few, you know, physical menus printed. An ability to just walk your tap on a phone, right, and prepay and just walk out and you've paid already, right? The menus, obviously, as we just said, you know, on your phone or much simpler. And so the, I'll call it the use of enabling technology mm-hmm. behind the scenes to eliminate and or improve friction for the customer so that speed can matter and safety can matter. I think we're going to see you know, a lot of improvements in and around those areas. Yeah. I mean, we totally agree. You know, Again, going back to innovation, I think the phone has just been really dominant. And I think it's, uh, to your point, I think people will find it just more convenient and faster and easier, and that will continue to play. I think we've seen technology, Jimmy and I like to say, we've seen adoption of technology, five years of technology in the last three months. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian, last time, I promise, and then we're going to wrap this up. But you did great on the crystal ball moment. You did great. This is the branded quickfire. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think real hard. Just give me what comes to mind. Are you ready for this? I can't wait. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Uh, When this is all over and things become somewhat normal, what's the first restaurant or bar that you can't wait to revisit? The White Barn Inn in Kennebunkport, Maine with my wife. Ooh, awesome. Love it. Sounds sounds incredible. Where are you ordering delivery from tonight? Cava. Beach or ski slopes? Ski slopes. I like to ski the ice. Nice. What is your all-time favorite movie? Easy one, Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Okay, this is the big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of Twister, who would you have the better odds of beating? Are you guys fully clothed or or not? (laughs) Jimmy is not clothed. I am clothed. Jimmy for sure. Jimmy for sure. Okay. I appreciate that. You know, we've done the quick fire now for a bunch of our podcasts in a row. That is the first time I've been chosen as the person to take on. However, it's the first time that the it, we went with a physical challenge such <laughs> as opposed to something more, let's say, uh, intellectual. I've lost every quick fire so far. They've always chose Jimmy. I, I think I think Shat's influenced the question there to make it a physical challenge. Anyway, Brian, we greatly appreciate you joining us us on the podcast, your work and your support of the hospitality industry and your what your team at Citibank does is amazing. And again, if you'd like to get in touch with Brian directly, we'll ask that you email us at admin at brandedstrategic.com. That's admin at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to connect you with Brian and his team. And for all our listeners, I told you at the top of today's show uh, that we would have a special announcement. I want to share that on Thursday, August 6th, Brandon will be co-hosting with our friends from Foodable Network. By the way, also is our producer and production team for our podcast, but we will be co-hosting with our friends from Foodable Network, a special event titled Food Tech 21. This event is focused on the next generation technology in the food service. It is a virtual event. You can sign up for this for free to our listeners by logging into the Branded Strategic website. Again, free for our listeners to join us. Shats and I will be playing a big role with our friends from Foodable, and we're excited um, to have that event Thursday, August 6th. You know, we appreciate all of you joining us and tuning in for our podcast. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there for you to choose from. So we value and appreciate you hanging with us. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on future and exciting upcoming guests that we'll be having. And better yet, invite a friend to join us the next time. So until then, this is Jimmy Frischling and I'm signing off and my partner Shatsy. 
I am the uh, restaurant guy and from a hospitality hangout. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Brian. This was great. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Peace.